Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 44. Just keep moving forward. As long as you're putting one foot in front of the other, you're going to get somewhere. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, and now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Hi there, I'm Sue, and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Whether you own a brick-and-mortar store, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. And today, I am so excited to introduce to you Karen Ranzau. Karen is the owner of Little Pink Ladybug. The company sells templates that allow crafters to create multi-loop and layered custom bows that are used for hair accessories and numerous other applications. Karen started making bows about 11 years ago, and in 2008, after the creation of this template bow-making system, Little Pink Ladybug as a business was born. In addition to running the business, Karen homeschools her daughter, volunteers at her son's school, is a comfort dog handler for her church, and a leader for a troop of American heritage girls. She is the perfect example of how you can integrate a successful business into an active family life. And did I mention she has a wonderful husband, Robert, and two dogs? All the while, her love for crafty, creative endeavors somehow finds its way to shine through each and every day. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Is there anything you would like to include, like another activity that you do before we get started? No, I uh, I try and make time for my family as well. Really, it's just a matter of priorities, so figure out how to get it all done. There you go. Well, I'm excited to hear your story. For our listeners, Karen and I have known each other for, boy, I don't know, six, seven years already? At least. Yeah, we met at a trade show way back when, and she and I saw each other again just this past January, and we've been talking about her business. I've always loved her product, and she agreed to come on and share her journey with all of you, so I'm really excited about that. Are you ready to light it up, Karen? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is going to be fun. Wonderful. As our listeners know, we like to align the conversation around the life of a motivational candle. The light shines on you while you share your stories and experiences, and it gives us kind of a little bit of an indirect understanding of what you're all about. If you were sitting and you're making your bows, I'm envisioning you doing some demos that you always do on YouTube, etc. And just for ambiance in your workspace, you had a candle glowing there. What color would the candle be? Candle is absolutely going to be a light pink color. And why light pink? You know, it's been my favorite color. I was the first grandchild on both sides of the family. So everything I had my entire life was pink. So you know, I was just fortunate that I liked the color. So it's just kind of been my color with everything. I even named my company after it. So uh, definitely pink. And what would be the motivational quote on that candle? I really couldn't come up with just one, but I have two that are pretty similar. And one of them is from Walt Disney. It's keep moving forward. They mentioned it at the end of the movie, Meet the Robinsons. Just keep moving forward. As long as you're putting one foot in front of the other, you're going to get somewhere. Yeah, taking action every day. And the other one, I'm sure everyone's familiar with, Finding Nemo, Dory's little mantra of just keep swimming. That kind of aligns with the keep moving forward. So as long as you keep going forward and you just keep going, you can make anything happen. I totally agree with you. 
Well, let's talk a little bit now about Little Pink Ladybug and how you got started, how the whole thing evolved. But bring us back way to the beginning, that point in time where you said, yeah, I can, I'm going to turn this into a business. My daughter was not quite a year old and she was wearing all of her brother's hand-me-downs. And we were really strapped financially. We were not in a good place. So I couldn't afford any hair bows or cute clothing. Everybody thought I had two boys. And finally, I had enough. And I said, I'm going to make a bow for my daughter. And I went and I I spent $12 on ribbon. And I prayed that my husband did not notice that I spent $12 because that was straight out of our grocery fund. And I made a couple of bows for her. I had a great time. And then I still had all these rolls of ribbon. So I made a few more bows and sold them at a garage sale. Now, there was no information on these bows, no business card, nothing. And all these people came back and asked and said, hey, can we get a few more? I was like, well, hey, this is great. I sold some. I'm going to go buy some more ribbon. And uh, it, it slowly grew from there. Now, I have rheumatoid arthritis, so working with all the handmade crafts can sometimes be a slow process for me. But this business of making hair bows grew until I had 11 stores locally that were all carrying my bows. It really got to a point where I was like, I've got to hire someone. I've got to have someone help me. Couldn't find anyone who could make the bows look just like mine. They all look different. We didn't have any consistency. Now, my background was as a structural designer in a packaging company. So I said, let me come up with some templates so that I can hire people and all the bows are going to look the same and be the correct size. Probably about a month after we started using the templates, it was one of those light bulb moments where like, we should be selling the templates instead of the bows. So from that point forward, it was a lot of research, development, stumbling here and there, and then just getting back up and keep going with it. So We've really just grown from that point. But that's kind of how I got into the bow business. I never knew that, Karen. I never knew that that's how it actually started. I love that because I like hearing about it all when I'm doing a podcast, too, because that leads to so many great questions. Absolutely. Gift Biz listeners, there's two things I want to point out to you that Karen did. She found an opportunity in a situation of need, two places along the way with the journey that we've just talked about so far. She didn't have hair bows that she was going to be able to purchase for her daughter. So what did she do? She saw an opportunity. She went out and she made hair bows. And then she saw the need to make things easier, more consistent, etc. When she already had her product in all these stores and she needed production to be smoother. And that led to the templates. But how cool is that? Because that is really what developed her whole business and what she's working with today. Point being, make sure that you've got your eyes wide open. You think you're going down one path because, Karen, you probably thought, well, this is great. I'm in 11 different stores. Mm -hmm. You never thought it was going to necessarily evolve into this whole template thing, which is the basis of your whole business now. Exactly. That's, I mean, that is our primary business. And if I make bows at this point, it's, it's really for fun. Occasionally, I'll do a craft show just because I love getting out there and talking with people and being crafty myself. And my daughter can only wear so many at this point. So, uh, <laughs> so I've got to do something with them. There you go. Let me ask you one more question about this story before we move on. Sure. You were saying that, you know, went from a garage sale, people came back and wanted the bows. Mm -hmm. And then how did it all evolve into those 11 stores? Walk us through that. Well, I really believe in quality. If you're going to do something, do it well. That's another Walt Disney quote. And so I made some really quality bows. They were sturdy. I guaranteed them. And so I went into one or two stores and I noticed they didn't have a very small size that you would put on a baby and infant. And I said, I don't want to take away from your other bow makers, the other business that you carry, but would you be interested in carrying these? And I had them on a nice backing card. I had my logo in place and contact information and a basic website going at that point. And so they agreed to try that since it wasn't something competing with what they already had. 
Well, those little bows were so popular, the people who were buying them as their children grew, they kept going back to the store and saying, well, can we get the next size up? You know, we added some non-slip grip inside and we covered all the clips and all the ends were sealed. So a lot of attention to detail. From that point, we just took it slow. I mean, I didn't go out saying, I'm going to go get all these stores and all these orders and so forth. It was every step of growth that we took was taken because we didn't have any other choice. We had to grow. So we didn't try and make ourselves too big. We just kept letting our cup overflow. We're like, okay, we got to get a bigger cup. Or we got to get a bigger cup. As you had the first two stores, did you then go and approach more stores or did stores start coming to you? A little bit of both. We had several consignment stores who were hearing kind of through the grapevine that we had a good product and they approached us. But then there were some higher end stores that carry some really nice boutique items and really beautiful clothing. At that point, we had some confidence. So I went to them and said, hey, this is what I've got. This is what I can do for you. And this is where we're already carried. And let me leave you with a few samples and uh, I'll call you next week. And really, it was that. I didn't really give them a chance to say yes or no. It was kind of like, this is all the great stuff I can do. I'll come back and talk later. It sounds like it was the quality of your product that really got everything started. That really, really played a key role. Yeah. And then as you were in a number of stores, then you have a credibility play as you approach other people too. Yeah, it's going to snowball from that point. Once you get started, if, if you get your company and your business started on solid footing, you will really be able to go places. And when you say solid footing, if you had a couple of recommendations for the people who might be listening who are just thinking of starting out, what would be a couple of things that you're saying you need to do this and you need to do this? First and foremost, finances are going to be the backbone of a business. Don't grow too fast. Yeah, of course, I wanted a new computer and I wanted a fancy desk and all these great tools and everything. You can't mistake fancy equipment and great tools for determination and hard work. We said, you know what, we can't afford to buy new desks and we don't need to keep buying new scissors. All the little tools that add up, they might be two or three dollars a piece, but you know, you can spend a couple hundred dollars on little crafting tools because it looks fun. You've got to keep your focus in sight and stay true to that focus. Focus on the tasks of actually growing the business, not what's behind the business in terms of equipment and such. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, I didn't need fancy signs or storage containers or any of the little gadgets that go along with crafting. It was like, what is my goal and is this action getting me closer to it? Is this action getting me closer to it? Really important because a lot of us will think if, you know, going out and selling your product puts you in a very vulnerable situation. The way you sell, you have a very low-key approach, but your product totally speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. But so many people selling, you know, is not the fun part. So it's really easy to stay back in your craft room or, you know, work studio and in your mind, you're working because you're making more or you're setting up your office. But those aren't tasks that bring in the money to keep a business going. And particularly in the beginning, when you need to get it started, you need to be getting some revenue coming in. Okay, so now you have these templates and you're recognizing that this is going to be the business. So was Little Pink Ladybug ever the bow business and then it gravitated to the templates or did Little Pink Ladybug start as templates? Little Pink Ladybug was the bow business. I didn't want my name attached with something that I thought I might possibly join with a partner or maybe sell someday. So I didn't want my name to be the business. I didn't want to ever have to sell my my name. So I started making bows. We had a great time at at craft shows and things like that. And then once we developed the templates, we came up with the name Brilliant Bowmaker. And we just had that as a brand under Little Pink Ladybug, the company. You had the templates and these were probably just handmade templates initially. They were handmade. We actually went and got those flexible binders, that flexible plastic that you can get. 
and we would buy all the ones on clearance at the end of the back to school sales and come back and you know we'd print out picture of the template and tape it to the the binder and then we'd cut it out with an exacto knife and that's what we started with it was uh, quite tedious and so that's what you were selling initially that's what we were selling initially so there are a few people out there who have the hand cut templates and then that probably lasted no more than two weeks, and we realized this was going to kill us. So we tried a couple different things. I invested in one of those personal home die-cutting devices that people use for scrapbooking, and I found one that you could program in your own shape, and we thought that would work, and you know, that would take 10 minutes to cut one template, so that didn't work. And that was one of those stumbling blocks. You know, We paid a couple hundred dollars for the machine and never used it again. But we found a small die cutter a couple states over that was willing to work with us. And once we knew how much the die and the materials and so forth would cost, we waited till we saved up. I mean, this was not, not a credit business. This was all built on cash. And we went ahead and got those die cut, but we couldn't afford the printing. So we still had to take a Sharpie and write the name and the size, stuff the envelopes. And at the time, we were selling just the printed books. We couldn't afford the spiral bounding. So we put them in these binders that we got on clearance. And those were our kits. That's what we were selling. And it spread like wildfire. You know what I like about that is you didn't invest a ton of money right away. You kind of tested the concept, whether you knew that that was what you were doing or not. And Mm -hmm. you took some chances, again, with that machine that you bought that ended up not working. You've got to try different systems, and you didn't stop. You might say that buying that equipment was not a success. It was a failure, but that didn't stop you. You looked for, yet again, a different option. There's that just keeps swimming quote right there. (laughs) There you go. And the other thing is that you built the business as you could. I mean, if you see the kits now, and we're going to get to this with Karen in a second, they are far beyond what you were just describing. Templates put in a folder, they are totally professional. And you would never know the evolution that got Karen to this point if you see her product today. So as you're thinking about your own businesses and your own products, remember that everything is a step along the way. It's all right to take many steps as you get to your ultimate goal. I guess that's really what I was trying to get across there. How are you producing the templates today, the kits today? Well, once we found the die cutter here a couple states over, like I was talking about, when we really got that going, we weren't making money. We were not even really breaking even, but we knew where we needed to get because we had gotten them priced overseas. And unfortunately, we weren't able to keep them here in this country. It was about 19 times more expensive. So we never would have had any chance of a wholesale markup or being able to sell it to stores. Through, a, again, a, a series of contacts, one person led to the next person led to the next. We found a great little two-person company. And we've got someone overseas who works with us and uh, gets the parts from a couple different countries and gets everything produced and assembled. And we've been really happy with this company. They've helped us out. Yeah, that again was a big step too, because we had minimum orders larger than anything we'd ever ordered before. So then we were talking about going to the family and saying, okay, this is our plan. This is where we want to go financially and uh, took it from there. Yeah, get a little bit of help along the way, but you've already proven the concept. You're already seeing that there's a market out there that will buy the product. Yes. Really important because you saw that people will put their money where their mouth is. Like some people would just say, oh, those are such cool templates or the bows are so pretty. I'd love to have them. But people were actually opening their wallets and buying. And we had a really strong customer base at that point because I was involved in a couple of the online chat groups. This was kind of before Facebook really took a, a strong grip. And so I had a community of people who had known me for a while and who saw my work. And when I said I was coming out with these templates, a few of them got that and vouched for me. And I had credibility. So we had 
our very first order was kind of a series of comedic events looking back now. But at the time, we were just devastated. It was our first overseas order. We had invested everything we had. I mean, we put everything on the line. It was truly a leap of faith at that point. We were praying hard. And then our first shipment, it got delayed for a a few reasons. But then when it was shipping in, we were a brand new importer. And our first shipment happened to come into the country over September 11th. So we were flagged by customs. Oh my gosh. We had hundreds and hundreds of pre-orders for these kits from people that we had sold and given them a great deal saying, hey, invest with us. This is the kit. Kind of a GoFundMe or Kickstarter campaign before those were around. We said, this is our idea. This is what we're going to do. We need you to buy it in advance. And it passed the date in PayPal when they could get refunds. And we were just keeping people updated saying, hey, they flagged our stuff. They're holding it. And it took about two months longer than we had originally estimated for getting that first shipment in. Every single day was agony, just knowing I had to go tell these people, hey, we're still waiting. I'm still here. Here's some ideas. This is what I'm working on. And uh, yeah, it was just being in touch with your customers, just letting people see you as the person you are. You know, you've got to put yourself on the line. I think that's really important because, first of all, I can't imagine that people wouldn't understand with 9-11. I mean, everyone at that time came to the aid of everybody else. So I would be surprised. I don't know if, if you have any stories about that that you even want to talk about. But I could only imagine that everybody who ordered was totally understanding. But there's always the fear that, you know, people are going to take your money and run, right? Yeah. So by you staying in touch with them and just, you know, yeah, this is a bad problem. We're trying to figure it out. I'm sure everyone understood the problem, but by just staying in touch with them and saying, look, I'm yeah. not gone. I am here. This is, you are going to get the product, I promise, mm-hmm. probably helped you through that really well and gained loyal customers. It really did. And they got to know us really well because over the course of two months, 60 days, you run out of some crafty ideas at some point. So we were posting pictures of the dogs and the kids and, hey, I'm not doing any crafts today. I'm doing laundry, but we're still thinking about you guys. We're still here waiting for our shipment. And yeah, every year since then, over the anniversary of 9-11, they still flag a few things. But now that we've been doing this for several years, we don't get flagged as often. But we still have a couple strips of that TSA U.S. Customs tape that all the boxes came wrapped with. We saved a few pieces of that and stuck them on one of our (laughs) drawers that we've got here in the office. That's good. Just to have some history of the development of the business. I think is great. To remember where we came from. I mean, you can't get too big for your britches. You got to remember, hey, when it comes down to it, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do something to make my business go forward today. I also have a similar situation when I'm bringing things in from overseas, because if you don't have mass, mass, mass product to take up a whole container for yourself, you're always in a container with other businesses. And it might not be you that's being flagged. It might just be something in a container but the whole container has to be set aside. So I've had that happen to, m- to me as well. Just, you know, pros and cons of doing business overseas, right? Yeah, we learned a lot. Is what it is. You learn to order early. Yes. <laughs> you learn to order before you're totally out. Yes, and the holidays <laughs> for other countries when things are shutting down and you're not going to be able to get a hold of anybody for a month. It's eye-opening, all the fees and customs and legal work. It can be intimidating at first, but like I said, just a step at a time. Well, you've told us already a couple of challenges that you've had with the business. Was there any other one that you wanted to bring up? There's a couple. I look back and they're kind of funny stories now. They really weren't at the time. When I said you really had to just wait for the business to grow as you needed it, we were using our garage as our warehouse. So our very first shipment, we had six full pallets, floor-to-ceiling pallets delivered. and We managed to fit them in the garage. And you know, we took it a step at a time. Things started to grow and And one day I got a call from the shipping company and they said, well, we're going to deliver your shipment. Where do you want it? I was like, 
you know, just put it in the driveway as, as usual. Put it in the front yard. It's fine. And the driver said, you sure? I was like, yep, yep, go ahead. He said, ma'am, do you understand that you have your own full container this time? Whoa. And I had to stop him. I said, you know what? Please do not leave an entire shipping container in my front yard. My homeowners association would go nuts. And so it was at that point we're like, okay, I need to find a warehouse. I don't know anything about warehousing. Where am I going to go? And I just looked back through some of my contacts. I started calling people. And within an hour, I had a warehouse that not only was perfect for what we needed, but it was also a U.S. custom station. So if we ever got flagged again, we could get flagged here in our hometown and at least know that we still weren't waiting for cross-country shipping to happen. So that was, you know, it was a little bit of a challenge. It's, it's kind of funny to think about. I was telling him to leave a full-size container in our front yard. I mean, something the size of a semi-truck. It's a good thing he asked that question. <laughs> exactly. Some of the other challenges we've had were a little more heartbreaking, but we've really learned our lesson as far as uh, when you're building a business, you've got to love it. And if you don't love it, it's going to be challenging because you are putting everything into it, even sometimes above your children. And, you know, I remember watching my kids play outside in the backyard one summer, never really getting to play with them because I was building this business. But at the same time, now I'm able to do all the activities that I've got with them because the business doesn't require as much time. And so a few years back, we were exhausted. I mean, we spent a lot of nights going to bed crying. We were tearing our hair out morning till night, just really burnt, getting burnt out. And when you say say we, you're talking about you and your Me husband, and my husband. He was, he was a great support. He kind of saw the value in it yeah. a couple of years in and, and really started supporting me with the paperwork side of things. And we started working with a company who showed some remarkable interest in either licensing or working with us or kind of endorsing us. And we talked with them quite a bit, sent a lot of samples, brainstormed some ideas. And at that point, we were still kind of naive and trusting. We're like, okay, great. This is the answer to our prayers. And we kind of just let go of the momentum and the effort that we were putting into it because we were just so ready to hand this over to somebody who already had the distribution channels and the sales force in place. And that was really our mistake because they took a few of our ideas. You know, they didn't really steal anything, but they decided to make their own product and the contact was immediately cut off. We didn't hear from them. And then uh, shortly thereafter, we saw them come out with their own product. And uh, it was somewhat devastating because, you know, we had worked so hard and had put so much into it. We're just like, where do we go from here? And again, we just, you know, our faith kind of got us through. We just kept doing what we were doing, what got us going in the first place, just one foot in front of the other, keep going with the small sales get our name out there, work with people directly. So we recovered and we're stronger for it. We learned a, a good lesson there that you are ultimately in charge. And until you're cashing a check at the bank, nothing's a done deal. Wow. You know, you always are surprised when big businesses and companies come in and do that because you always wonder, you know, was that their intent all along? And as small businesses, especially in the homemade crafting industry, the best thing you can do to insulate yourself against that type of a situation is exactly what Karen did. We were just talking about how she was communicating and talking with her customers all through the 9-11 and the delay of product situation. Unfortunately, people can knock off products. It just can happen. And at this last show, I actually was talking with someone who gave me the legality behind it. And the conclusion is that you're no product is really ever safe, no matter how much paperwork you have. Certainly, you should have all of your paperwork, patents or the licensing, trademarking, all of that. But people who are really intentional do have a way around pretty much anything. 
But the good news is, and especially for smaller businesses, when you develop relationships with your customer base and when you are intimately involved in the product, like Karen, she makes a ton of YouTube videos to show people how to use these bows and what to do, how to additionally be creative. She's at the show, so our customers get a chance to see her and work with her personally with the templates and the products. Those are things that larger companies don't think about. You know, they don't think about that personal interaction. As people, we gravitate to those that make us feel good. And by nature, you want to support a business owner who's made you feel good, who you know has a quality product. And that's the way we all keep our business in situations like this. Being in a relationship with your customers and communicating with them on a regular basis pays way more reward than you might initially think. Right from the start, make sure you guys to be keeping customer lists and talking to your customers on a regular basis. You definitely want to stay accessible because uh, I've, I've run into a lot of people who've come back and said, oh, hey, I bought this bow kit and I never opened it up. And I'm, I'll sit them down immediately and be like, hey, let's make sure you know what you're doing. I let them understand a little bit about me that I'm overcommitted. I've got family. I've got a messy craft room. I've got piles of laundry. And you know, you just, it's a matter of priorities. It's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to spend 15 minutes, do some crafting, just have fun, rejuvenate for a little bit and move on. So I just want to make them feel, Hey, you're not alone in this. We're all running crazy these days. So just to let them see that you're a real person too, and you understand what they're going through, that connection is going to solidify a bond, whether it's just a friendship or a customer or vendor relationship, it makes a difference. Totally agree, Karen. Good input. Thank you for sharing that. All right, moving on a little bit, what have you found in terms of promotions or events that you do that help move the needle, that bring you in new customers, sell more product, any of that? A lot of times what we found, it's it's going to some of the larger shows. They're great, but I'll tell you, the, the city I live in now has a huge influx of bow makers because we've kind of inundated the area. But being able to get out even to the next city over or an hour away, getting the attention of those new customers really makes a huge difference because not only will you get the customers that are there directly talking with you, but you'll get their friends that when they go home and tell their friends, hey, check this out with me. This looks like fun. Why don't we try it? And it, it kind of causes these little explosions because then they'll tell their family who may live across the country and you'll see a little bit of growth, you know, somewhere else. Right. So it's really just staying in front of people in a, on a personal level. So we're definitely finding the videos are helping. You know, we found an opportunity at the state fair where if you did a demonstration on the stage, you could have a booth for free, which is a couple thousand dollars at the state fair. So we took advantage of that. You know, we just took advantage of any chance we could to get in front of people, which is probably why we were so exhausted. Any chance we had, you just, you jump on it and you move quickly. That's being fast and flexible is going to help you maneuver faster to your goal. Wonderful. Yeah, seeing the opportunity and jumping on it, taking action. On the customer service end, what do you do to make sure that your customers know that you appreciate them and that they're valued? Well, we really try to stay on top of uh, the emails and the, the contacts that we get. So we email a lot of customers directly, especially the ones who they don't see us as a big company. They see us as hey, this is my friend Karen, I'm going to email her back and be like, hey, can you show me how to use the templates? So we really try and take the time to work with each person as an individual, as if they were, you know, my sister or my neighbor asking me for a little bit of advice and take that time. And it does take a little bit more time, but we found we have such a great relationship and it, it really builds from that point because word of mouth is huge. 
I mean, any business I've tried, usually within two years of just word of mouth with a good product and good customer service, and you're just going to be exploding. So the one-on-one contact with the customers who email us, you know, sometimes we'll include a little note with someone if we've, you know, talked back and forth with them or they've mentioned something in a post on Facebook about their family. We just try and take notice and and we'll put a little note in that says, you know, hey, I hope you're you're feeling better. Have fun with the kit. And uh, just to recognize them as a person and not a number. All goes back to relationships. That's everything. Everything is built on relationships. Well, let's move now into the reflection section. Karen, what is one trait that you feel you've had kind of for your whole life that you are really tapping into now to build the business and really make you successful? Well, I'll admit this trait is a double-edged sword, but I am a perfectionist. And my husband can tell when I'm really tired because I get worse a little more OCD on the details. But just in a business sense, the details can make or break you. For selling the bows in the beginning, it was the little details, you know, covering the clips, which is not a huge thing. But people didn't like the big metal clip showing when they put a hair bow in a baby's hair, making sure all the ends were sealed. Just little things that you may not even notice when you're looking at it. You may not even be conscious about it, but just in the back of your mind, your mind is processing, does this product, does it look clean, have you know smooth edges, and just presents an appealing visual to me. You know, So those, those little attention to detail, thank you cards when people help you out, consistency, things like that. Yeah, I think really going back to your product, how many of us have bought one specific brand because it has one little trait that the other one doesn't have. Buy a car because it is a built-in baby seat or you buy a certain blouse because you like the style of their buttons. You know, it's some of the little details that make all the difference. As Karen's talking about, she covered metal clips that differentiates her product from everybody else and people buy because of those special qualities of a product. So as you're developing products, think about that too. We've talked a lot about how you have created now balance in your life between all the things you're doing with your family and running a successful business. Do you have any tool or anything that you do so that you do have that extra time to be able to balance both of these? I think I've mentioned it uh, a couple times, but just to really point it out, my sister was the one who made me focus on this. Probably the best thing is a list, not a list of things to do, but a list of your priorities. And she pointed out, she's like, first thing in the morning, you know, eat healthy. Make sure that you are mentally focused and energetic and you have the energy. Take that time, that 10 minutes for yourself in the morning, you'll have the energy for the day. After that, what are your priorities? Is it your business, your kids, your family, your marriage, you know, taking care of your pets? Prioritize the top four or five things in your life and make sure you pay attention to those each day. I'm always going to have laundry and I'll admit it is probably the last thing on my list, <laughs> even now when I have time to do it. You've got to grab life while you've got it and focus on what is your top priority that day. So does your priority list change each day or you just keep your overarching priorities and just keep an eye on them? A little bit of both. Each day I might have, a, if I have one of my scout meetings or if my daughter has dance or my son has archery or whatever that day's priorities are, some of them I can say, okay, I've got three hours of time for my business, and I'm going to focus on that. Others are, you know what, I'm not working on the business at all today because I've got volunteer work, and then I'm going to be at school, and then I've got to get home to homeschool my daughter, and then she's got dance, and he's got archery, and then I've got a meeting. And, you know, my priority on that day is is getting through the day and the prep work, you know, making sure lunches are packed, and I have all the clothes and outfit changes we need for the day. So it does change a little bit, but you've always got to make time to take care of yourself physically, mentally, spiritually, 
Because if you don't have any more to give and you are always giving to your customers and your clients, you are going to slowly slip downhill and lose that attention to detail. Wise words for sure. You know, as I think about my business, probably about halfway through the process of getting it going, I probably would have said it's not worth it. If I'd known what I was in for, I would not have kept going. But now that we're through to the other side, it was absolutely worth it. It was worth every single late night, every single difficult decision. It was all worth it. So you get in the middle of the journey and sometimes you just need to just carry through, not worry about the bumps, just keep going, keep going. And that's what you'd say at the end, it's been worth it. The end is really still the middle because I know you keep going and keep evolving. Yeah, just like Dory, just keep swimming. There you go. We've learned a lot along (laughs) the way and uh, we've got some bumps and bruises, but every single thing we've gone through has made us stronger and just we've kept our faith and worked together and, you know, just follow your dream. Karen, what book have you read lately that you think our listeners could find value in? There's a couple that I refer back to, and all of them seem to be along the lines of selling techniques and personal improvement. I'm trying to think of a couple of the titles that that I've had, but uh, things like The Seven Secrets of Success, and I think there's one, The Little Red Book of Selling. And, And really, all of them have kind of said the same thing that I've been referring to today, is just making that personal relationship. People love to be noticed. They love to know that they're important and that they've made a difference. And all of us really want that acceptance and that love. And when you're around somebody, I don't care if it's a waitress or someone checking you out at the grocery store, you'll notice that if you feel good around that person, you're going to keep talking to them. And that really makes a difference. So Gift Biz listeners, just as you're listening to the podcast today, you can also listen to audiobooks with ease. I've teamed up with Audible for you to be able to get an audiobook just like one of the two Karen is recommending for free. All you need to do is go to giftbizbook.com and make a selection. That's giftbizbook.com. So Karen, we're going to be winding down to our final question in a second. But before we do that, will you share with our listeners two things? Number one, how they can get in touch with you. And also, if they wanted to look at your product and possibly buy templates for bows, where could they find those? Fastest way to get a hold of me, especially business-wise, is going to be through my website, which is www.littlepinkladybug.com. Because when we check email, we get hundreds a day. The first ones we check are the website comments. We do check Facebook. We try and get on there at least once a day. But I'll be honest, sometimes that's not the top of my priority list. Okay. And what stores are, the, are your products in that people could go out and take a look? We're actually carried by a lot of larger distributors. So we do have access to a lot of the mom and pop stores. So if you don't see us in a smaller local craft, or you can definitely ask because chances are the owner is familiar with one of the distributors that carries us. We're also, we were picked up by Hobby Lobby. They've been really, really good to us as far as working with a small business. We didn't know anything about order quantities and case packs and barcodes and all kinds of little details. And they've really been good to us and helped us out quite a bit. So those are some of the big ones. And then I know there's quite a few online as well. Wonderful. And they can also go directly to your website too. Absolutely. Yeah, they can go directly to our website and ask us questions first and find links to some of the videos and get information that way. Perfect. And gift biz listeners, if you're out walking your dog, doing your laundry, unlike Karen's doing right now, remember, you can always go to the show notes page and we'll have all the links there ready for you. All right, Karen, we are ending now with my dare to dream question for you. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. 
This is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your virtual box? Well, I think the first thing that I'm going to find in that box is a gift certificate for someone to help me organize my craft room and kind of keep my house (laughs) under control because, like I said, that's not one of my priorities. I don't enjoy doing it. And, you know, it's just one of those things that has to be done. If I could get that out of the way, I love to craft and create. I love doing demonstrations with people. And the chance to travel, I haven't really had a chance to just travel around, but just to be able to travel and see the sights and do some exploring that way. But at the same time, combining that with my business where I'm able to teach a few classes here and there and meet with people one-on-one. I absolutely love what I do. I love sharing it with other people. And then to be able to combine that with kind of a world tour at the same time, that would be amazing. Fabulous. So what, if you were envisioning one place in the world where you could go, what would it be? You know, I lived in North Carolina when I was younger and we lived pretty close to the coast. So I'd say probably definitely somewhere warm with the sand and some ocean. That would probably be my top choice. Wonderful. Well, Karen, thank you so much. This has been really enlightening and I think a really good episode, particularly for people who are just starting out, you know, how to start the journey and how to capture the opportunities along the way. The way you've told your story and the insights that you've given have been really, really helpful. I want to thank you for opening up, sharing your story. And I know that Little Pink Ladybug is going to continue to grow and grow. So Gift Biz listeners, let's watch Karen as she continues her journey. And may your candle, Karen, always burn bright. Thank you so much. Learn how to work smarter while developing and growing your business. Download our guide called 25 Free Tools to Enhance Your Business and Life. It's our gift to you and available at giftbizunwrap.com slash tools. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Today's show is sponsored by The Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a Happy Birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. Would you like to be on the show? Or do you know someone who can provide valuable insight from their experiences? If so, we'd love to hear from you. All you need to do is submit a form for consideration. You can access the form at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash guest. That's giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash G-U-E-S-T.
got to grab life while you've got it. 